0: Jess, Hello. The reason you were away mm. wasn't because you were competing at the inaugural Spogomi World Cup, was it? <laughs>
1: Have you made that word up? <laughs> no. If you've been on, like, on your own too long and you started your own language, what what's the Spogomi no, World no, Cup? No, no.
0: I'm referring to what is essentially the world's first ever rubbish picking up World Cup. Oh. A World Cup for picking up trash that took place in Tokyo over the weekend. That wasn't what you were up to? No, no, and as much as I am a tidy kiwi, that was not what I was doing. Well, if you'll indulge me then, because you won't know the results, which I do, I will inform you of the winners. Great Britain, they managed to pick up an impressive 57 kilograms of trash in roughly 90 minutes, I believe, from the streets of Shibuya.
1: Isn't Japan, like, meant to be really tidy, though? How did they find 57 kgs of trash?
0: Well, this is exactly what one of the US team members mentioned. Oh, no, they didn't win. Uh, they said it was hard to find rubbish sometimes because the <laughs> Japanese streets are so tidy. They said they had to start going into the bushes, and at one point, they solely focused on siggy butts just to make sure they had something to show for it. <laughs>
1: To host this. Not because New Zealand's particularly dirty, but like if we did, we'd be super super clean. Yeah, it sounds like fun. How can we apply for that? Oh my gosh. Okay, well I'll look that up after the show. Let's get on with it. Then Kelda, this is newsable. I'm Jess.
0: And I'm Imogen and this is what's worth talking about. Is smoking New Zealand's future? The concerns over the new government's plans to scrap attempts to wipe cigarettes from the hands of an entire generation.
1: We've got the latest on the 41 workers who've been trapped in a tunnel in India for two weeks.
0: Artisan dog water has been spotted on the shelves of an upmarket supermarket in Auckland. So what is it and is it worth the hype?
1: Plus the tricks restaurants allegedly use on their menu to force our hand in the dining choices we make.
0: We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz
1: support. We've had it hammered into us since primary school that smoking is not our future. But after the new government revealed plans to repeal amendments to New Zealand's smoke-free legislation, maybe it is. The changes would remove requirements for the
0: denicotisation of cigarettes, remove the reduction in retail outlets and remove the ban on tobacco sales for the next generation. Now a study in the British Medical Journal using New Zealand data suggested that those measures could have saved 8,000 lives by 2040 although Christopher Luxon says his government is still committed to lowering smoking rates.
1: To chew over the potential effects on a health system is Asthma Foundation CEO Letitia Harding. Letitia, thanks so much for coming on. How disappointing is this for you guys to hear the new government's plan to repeal these laws?
2: Obviously, we, like many others in the health uh, industry, were hoping to get through to Smoke Free Aotearoa 2025. We knew that was a, a big battle anyway, but certainly this is going to push things uh, way back and it is a big disappointment. Do you believe that scrapping this
0: legislation will cost lives?
2: Yes, we do. You know, I think that reducing the outlets and accessibility uh, down to to 600 um, tobacco suppliers, that would have been a great move. You know, the denicotisation of cigarettes, very low nicotine cigarettes has, has been proven in other areas.
0: What do you think will happen to smoking rates now? And I guess there were mutterings that if we make an entire generation smoke free that it would create an underground market for it so that could potentially, you know, increase the number of kids smoking because it seems even more, you know, naughty to do.
2: I think that argument around, you know, the illicit trade or the black market is something that the big tobacco themselves have sort of propagated over the years. If you reduce the size of any market... Then you're going to reduce that interest in illicit market itself. If you look at our generation at the moment, smoking isn't seen as cool. We were on a rapid decline for for smoke free anyway. We obviously have been more more concerned about the vaping uptake in our youth. So we've sort of got two separate whammies here. You know, you've got the the smoke free position, obviously one to get to 2025, and now looking at repealing these initiatives. And then you've also got you know, the vaping in youth.
1: Did you think that these smoke-free changes had bipartisan support and weren't on the table for being changed?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are great initiatives with a lot of support from all sorts of medical professions and all sorts of different public health uh, groups. So it was the one thing, actually, that we, we could all agree on was looking at reducing these outlets and the denignization of uh, cigarettes. So it is a big shock. And I think that's probably why you're hearing from a lot of different groups, even if we've had different viewpoints of the place that vaping played um, in this area. I think that all of us are quite astounded that they would relook at the, the smoke free initiatives that were on the table.
0: We still do have smoke-free initiatives though, right? This isn't the end of any smoke-free attempts. What sort of things are still going to be in play?
2: Well, I think the education plays a big part of it, without a doubt. It's not a popular area smoking in our youth. We've seen that now. The popular places is obviously vaping. So we've got the vaping issue, but now I think this is going to be a trend towards once again that normalisation of smoking. If you've got still a lot of outlets out there, that is uh, a, a problem. And obviously, you know, we, we want to curb anybody taking that up. We want to curb um, a gateway effect of vaping to cigarettes. It's a big blow, I think, to to the health of all New Zealanders.
0: Letitia Harding from the Asthma Foundation, thank you very much for taking the time to call it all.
2: Thank you.
1: I have an update for you on yesterday's Instagram poll result. Please do reveal. It's do we want four-year government terms? 73% of people say yes, please. Mm, it's quite strong. Yes, I do want a four-year government term. But, I mean, we've just come through an election. We've just come through a month-plus of coalition talks, so maybe people are just like, please, mm. let's make it 10 years mm. to avoid having to do this again. I
0: don't I don't mind an usable referendum, though. You do commission those us. We want four-year parliamentary terms, and we do want to change the flag. Was
1: it? <laughs> Remember. <laughs> no, I don't think it was good thing was the opposite. Oh, we'll just run it again. Uh, let's not rerun that again. I'm not doing that for a third <laughs> time. Just everyone to make sure you never miss a chance to participate in these newsable referendums that MO likes to commission. Make sure you follow us on Insta. That's newsable NZ to join the election crew. It's now more than two weeks since a group of 41 workers in India were trapped when a landslide caused part of the tunnel they were building to collapse. Can you imagine that? Two weeks. Oh, it's just
0: horrendous. But luckily they do have a lifeline for supplies. Rescuers have been able to use a small pipe that survived the collapse to get food in. But, I mean, that doesn't make it any better. Mm. You've still stuck down there for so long. So, Jess, what's the latest over efforts to get them out?
1: Well, things have actually been looking pretty hopeful at the end of last Last week with the drilling machine brought in to create a tunnel for the men to crawl out through but the machine kept breaking down due to the debris it was trying to drill through and has now stopped working altogether so rescuers now have to get the machine out of the tunnel and then they'll start digging in towards the men by hand. By hand. By hand. How long is that going to take? Well, no one wants to say, obviously, but overseas media have quoted one official who says they're working on making sure everyone is safe. And of course, Mm. digging by hand is a lot slower than using that machine and there are worries of further collapse. But in the meantime, many family members have been waiting outside the mine, hoping for good news. And from video released by officials, it appears that the part they're in is reasonably roomy, if you can say that for a tunnel, the workers can stand and they can walk around and that kind of thing. (sighs) And are they doing okay? Well, they're getting regular food deliveries, which, you know, for you and me would probably be the main concern. <laughs> they're getting things like dal, roti, vegetables and fresh fruit. It's all coming through that small pipe that's been laid to supply water into the tunnel for the construction work. And officials say the group is in good health, but clearly the longer they're down there, the greater the health risk gets. And this tunnel is nearly five kilometres long. It's in one of the northern states near the Himalayas, so it's pretty
2: chilly this time of year.
1: Two weeks Two.
2: If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more you also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to the Long Read from Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We are just about to talk about artisan dog water, artisanal water for dogs we are as confused about this one as you don't worry we're going to try to get some answers and to make sure you never miss answers to questions like what is artisanal dog water chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform all right, Jess, picture this. Mm-hmm. You're strolling the aisles of a supermarket. I'll be honest, it's a bougie supermarket. It's an upmarket supermarket that I am specifically talking about here. I won't name names, but you're strolling the aisles of this upmarket supermarket. And you stumble across a stack of boxes on the floor, piled up high.
1: Okay. You're picturing it. Yeah, I'm
0: picturing it. I'm picturing it. Yeah. And what are those boxes, I hear you ask? What are those boxes? Thank you so much for asking. And of course, they are each 10 litres worth of artisan dog water it's like a goon sack of bougie water for your dog (laughs) are you joking? artisan dog water. I am I am deadly serious. This is a 10 litre box of natural artisan spring water. It's for sale for $16.99. Bear in mind based on my quick googling I can find 10 litres of spring water for sale at other supermarkets for around $7 to $9. Uh, These ones don't have artisan dog water labels slapped on them though. Anyway this water promises it has no added chlorine it comes from the Bay of Plenty and it's rich in silica. So here to tell us if this artisan dog water would have any benefits at all and if this is something that dog owners should be running to their at-market supermarkets to go and purchase is East PCA's scientific officer, Dr. Alison Vaughan. Kia ora, Alison. Kia ora. First thoughts on hearing about this water? Well,
3: um, just want to reassure dog owners, first of all, that any water that's safe for you is safe for your dog. We do know that people are spending more money on their pets, so I'm probably included in that. and um, We like to spoil our pets. How you choose to do that is up to you. There are things that may be beneficial for your pets, and there are things that you may just like to do for your pets, but as long as
1: it's not harming them, it's probably okay. Do you see any benefits for your dog or giving them this? But like The promise of silica, which is a mineral being great for dog coats, is that legitimately needed for them through their water? Well, it's interesting because actually New Zealand, in terms of countries in the world,
3: has quite high rates of silica in the drinking water anyway. So I suspect they'll probably be just fine um, in terms of silica levels with your tap water.
0: There is a line on the Dog Water's website which says, chances are if you're not a fan of tap water, your best friend isn't either. And I can see the logic to that. There are places around the country where I've tried the tap water and it's not as yummy as the tap water I have at home. So is there any sense in perhaps purchasing bottled water, whether or not it's the specific uh, one, for your dog, any pet? Yeah, having owned dogs and now I have a couple of cats, Uh,
3: the preference seems to be for whatever the most disgusting source of water will be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So
1: true.
3: Um, just to say that may not be the best for them. So, um, while most sources of water that are good for us are good for our pets, we do need to just be careful, especially as we're coming into these warmer months of dogs, what they might choose to drink while they're out and about. So in particular, looking out for slow moving water. Because we can see in the warmer months, especially when the water levels start to get a bit dry and dangerous of things such as blue-green algae, which could be really, really dangerous to your pets. So it is a good idea to bring water with you if you are out on a walk, but that can just be a bottle filled up with your tap water or your friend's tap water if you don't like your own.
0: At the end of the day, this box of artisan dog water isn't doing anyone any harm, is it? Like there's no no harm in giving your dog this water, even though it might seem a little bit silly.
3: I mean, I suspect for your dog, it's probably not going to do them any harm. Often people make choices based not only on uh, potential harms to their animal, but also environmental considerations and that sort of thing.
1: There we have it, SPCA's scientific officer, Dr Alison Vaughan. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us.
3: Thank you.
0: Now,
1: I chucked the team behind this water,
0: Pause Water, in email. They weren't available for an interview, but they did answer a couple of my questions via email instead. So Pause Water is made by a company that's been in the water industry for nearly two decades, and the idea for this doggy water came up after they moved to Christchurch after living in Fiji, and they didn't like the chlorinated water in Christchurch, and while they'd been living in Fiji, they got weekly bottled water rations, which they'd been sharing with dogs in the community, and they say the dogs in Fiji loved the bottled water. So, the combination of I suppose already working in the water business anyway, and living in a place where you don't like the tap water, kind of then you know, artisan dog water falls into place. I guess. And a damning
1: indictment of Christchurch's tap water, but
0: yeah, it's Christchurch's fault. <laughs>
1: The BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. mo have you heard of them? Yeah, possibly. The journalistic investigation of all journalistic investigations.
0: They have outdone themselves this time round. They've taken a deep dive into the art and the engineering of restaurant menus. They say there's five techniques used by restaurateurs that encourage us to order specific foods. Very interested in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them slightly unsurprising, but when you read it, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Um, It's when they put a dish on the menu in like a little box. Right. So that it kind of like almost highlighted and make it look more special. The Beeb says that that little box bumps up sales by 30%. And I reckon I'm in that 30% because when I see one of those, it does make you think, oh, that's like the... That's their
1: speciality. Totally. The chef is telling me to order that. But move aside little box because there's much more in this than just that. There's another technique. It's putting the dish you want to sell the most, probably the most profitable, in the top right-hand corner of the menu. So that's if, if this is a bigger menu or a sideways one. Top right is apparently where your eyes go to first and people tend to allegedly mm. order the first or the last thing that they see so that's where the money maker sits right in that top right corner this is going
0: to be so hard to test because i'm going to be thinking about all these things next time and then i'm going to want to Don't try and make sure ted. that i'm
1: making just do it on him ted if you're
0: listening stop <laughs> um there's more psychology in this little tricksy that the bbc discovered they say that if it's like a whole price so like just $20, just in inverted commas, but it's $20. $20, no fewer, no less. Mm-hmm. That people think that that's a conscious pricing decision. Okay. It is worth $20. Whereas if it's, say, $19.50, having the cents in there apparently makes people think, oh, that's value. They clearly know that it's $19.50. I'm getting a deal
1: here because it's not the full. Have I made myself clear? I'm not sure, but I think I'm going to have to... <laughs> Second guess, like you're saying, every time I go to a restaurant now as to do I really want that or is it just the placement of it on the menu?
0: I feel like I watched a TV show. This was years ago now where there was another thing that they talked about menus and apparently some places like put words around the outside. I think they were talking about like a Weatherspoon, so <laughs> like a, a crappy pub in the UK and they like put the word like burger and fish and chips and like they put like the, the, the words of only a few meals on the border. And then they found that most people were ordering those ones. I don't know if I've added anything to that investigation.
1: Mind control on the part of our restaurant operators. I feel totally manipulated. And hungry. (laughs) Yeah,
0: hungry. It's been lovely to have you back, Jess. That is Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells.
1: I'm Jessica McCarthy, and I'm happy to be back, and we will catch you tomorrow. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making
0: a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz/support.